Good morning, church. Uh, we are we're coming uh, now in in our Advent series to our week on joy, uh, our, our week where we continue to celebrate the and, and look at the coming the first Advent of Christ, uh, and also look forward in faith to His second Advent. Uh, and, and we are in we're continuing also through our, our, our uh, through our Gospel of Luke that we're uh, we're walking through as a church. Uh, recently, I was in a uh, courtroom downtown. And the judge stood up and addressed me and said, do you want the good news or the bad news? You're like, my pastor is a criminal. <laughs> I was on a jury, uh, and, and it turned out uh, that the case had settled overnight. And so the, the bad news was we came in for nothing. Uh, the good news was that we got to go home, right? Uh, but this gets to the nature of news, of news. When, when the judge said that, when she said, you know, you want the good news or the bad news? I knew that something had happened. Something had changed. And we're talking today about news. We'll see three things today uh, as, we, as we walk through this passage. First is the nature of news. What is it? The content of the news. What, what is the good news? What happened? And third, the response. How does this news change us? Nature, content, and then response. Let's pray uh, once more and, and we'll dive in. Father, uh, we do thank you for bringing us here this morning. Uh, as we've already asked you, would you speak to us? Would you, uh, w- would you reveal yourself uh, through your word, by your spirit, to our hearts, the ways that we need it? Lord, you know each person in this room, you know what, what they need, you know where they are, you know what, what's going on in their lives. Um, it, I don't, and I don't have the power to change a heart anyway, only you do. And so we ask you to come. I, I, I pray that we could be open to your word. Um, Lord, there's so, so many barriers in our hearts and our minds to, to hearing from you, to truly applying your word, um, to not just thinking this is for somebody else, uh, but, but that it's for us. And so would you, would you speak to us and would you apply this to our hearts as only you can? In Jesus' name we ask, amen. What is news, the nature of news? News, uh, it's fundamentally an announcement, right? It's fundamentally uh, an announcement that something has happened in my house, uh, Nova, that's our dog, Nova got out the front door is news. It's bad news because she's a runner, you know, and she doesn't even look back. Uh, we, we hear news all day long. Um, and and sometimes, uh, it, sometimes it affects us, sometimes it, it doesn't affect us. Um, terrorist bomb goes off in Israel. Stock markets soar. Stock markets crash. Uh, such and such movie releases on this date. On and on you could go. You can imagine any number of pieces of personal news that you might get that would, would either elate you or devastate you. Right? Your loved one is missing or you got the promotion. The point of news is to alert you that something has happened, something's changed. And this is important because many people think Christianity is fundamentally about how to be a good person, that it's, it's fundamentally advice. Right? You should be moral, you should be loving, you should be forgiving, you should be kind, and then you'll be a good person and God will accept you, something like that. They see religion, and Christianity especially, as being a path to self-improvement. But Christianity doesn't start with advice. It starts as news. Christianity is first an announcement. 
Right, this is really important. The angels in this passage, they don't give uh, you know, seven steps to a more joyful life to the shepherds. They say, today something happened. Our faith is based on news, on events that happen in time and history, events that were reported. If it's true, if this news is true, then I think it's really good news. If it's not true, what does Paul say? We're pitiful. We're of all people most to be pitied. Okay, so if if news is an announcement, then then who is this announcement for? This specific news that we're looking at. If you remember last week, chapter two of of Luke starts with, uh, with Luke introducing the ruler, Caesar Augustus, Quirinius, the governor, And in direct contrast, this next section of chapter two highlights shepherds. Shepherds, we don't know their names. Right, if the rulers are powerful and prestigious, then the shepherds are not notable, not influential. Shepherds are the essence, I think, of blue-collar workers in the first century. The temple need, needed tons of sheep for sacrifice. People ate a lot of lamb, as, as Middle Eastern cultures still do. Um, so the shepherds were necessary. They were necessary to the economy, but it wasn't seen as a desirable profession. Um, as with these in our passage, you'd have to, you know, you'd have the night shift. You had to wa- watch your flocks at night. Uh, you'd ha- you would often have been unable to participate in worship. You know, you got to work Sundays. Like, that's the Saturdays for them. But uh, so, so this was not a, a, a desirable profession. These were uh, blue-collar service industry type jobs. These shepherds are out in the field, it says, and an angel shows up, and the glory of the Lord, it says, surrounds them. This is the Shekinah glory of God. Uh, his, his brightness, his majesty lets you know you're in the presence of the divine. God had revealed himself in this way in the past, right? in the temple, in the tabernacle, to Moses on the mountain. You would expect an announcement like this to happen on a mountain or to happen in, in the temple, um, to, happen to, get, to be given to the rulers and leaders of the people. But it doesn't. It happens in a pasture to these shepherds. So that's one clue as to who this message is for. And then look at what the angel says in verse 10. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For all the people. Okay, this isn't just news only for the rich and the powerful. It's not just news for the the prestigious, right? For the religious, for the pious, for those who have their act together. This is good news, the angel says, for all the people given to shepherds, the everyday working class. So by this message and by those it was given to, I think we see that this is news for everyone. This is good news for everyone. And it's strange to think uh, of news from 2,000 years ago being relevant for you or I. Right? That most historical announcements aren't like that, right? Napoleon's power expands. Right? That doesn't ring with much significance for us. Rome levies new tax on barbarians. Right? Doesn't matter, right? That doesn't, uh, it's irrelevant to your life or mine. 
But this news, right? This is where the news of Jesus is different from every other type of news. It is a historical announcement. It's news from long ago, but interestingly, it doesn't lose its relevance to us today. The angel could have said, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people throughout all time. I think to understand this news properly is to understand it as being news for you and for me today. Whoever you are in here, this news, this announcement is for you. Good news of great joy. Why? Why? Well, I think, of course, we have to ask now, what happened? What is the news? So we move secondly to the content. Uh, what is the good news? What, what is this thing that has happened? Look at verse 11. Today, the angel says, in the city of David, a savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Today in the city of David, again, it's news. There's a timestamp, right? Today and a, and a location in Bethlehem, in the city of David, this happened. There was a birth. There was a birth. And the angel tells us three important things about this child who was born that day. First, uh, the angel says that he is a savior. He's a savior. This is common first century language, as Pastor Kevin quoted. Even last week, uh, the Roman emperors themselves were called saviors, and it, they were announced as good news. The rule of Augustus, the savior, has, has come, right? A savior is a deliverer, someone who would rescue people from trouble, from oppression, from their enemies who oppose them. And this baby, the angel says, is a savior. Not only a savior, second, the angel says this baby is the Messiah. A Messiah. Messiah is a term meaning anointed one, a chosen one. Uh, this is a synonym for Christ. It's the same word. The, the, the Christ is the translation from the Greek. Messiah is the translation from the Hebrew. So it's, it's the same word. I think some people think Je Christ is Jesus' last name, you know, Jesus Christ. Uh, but it's not his last name. It's a title, right? It means anointed one, chosen one, Jesus Messiah, Jesus Christ. People would be anointed, this is a meaning anointed one, people would be anointed for a task. You can think of uh, Samuel anointing the young shepherd, David, to be king of Israel, putting oil, pouring oil on his head, anointing him for, it, for the task. But this word uh, is technical and is referring to the anointed one, the chosen one, the promised Davidic king who would come to bring peace and to rule God's people forever. This is the one people were waiting for. And for instance, in John 4, you see uh, the, the woman at the well, when she's talking to Jesus before she realizes that he's the Messiah, she says, I know that the Messiah is coming. She, she's, she's waiting for him. This is, what, this is who people were waiting for. This was the hope of the Old Testament people of God, that Messiah would come. And the angel says, not only is this baby a savior, this baby is Messiah. Number three, the angel says, this baby is Lord. This baby is Lord. This word refers to God. It refers to his authority, his lordship. 
The construction here in the original language is, is unique. Uh, the, the Messiah and Lord are just put together. They're just right next to each other. Messiah, Lord. And so it, 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 the Messiah, it's saying the Messiah, the Christ, the promised anointed one is also the Lord. This baby is divine. Putting these together, you can see why this news is unlike any other news. Today in Bethlehem, a Savior, a Messiah Lord has been born for you. Now, I say this news is still relevant for you and I. Why is that? Why is that? How can I say that? Well, uh, how do you judge if news is relevant? You hear a lot of news. What news is relevant? What news isn't? Uh, one, I think uh, news is relevant if it's something that you're interested in or you care about. If I tell you the news that uh, Lincoln Riley left OU for USC uh, and you don't care about college football, then uh, you don't even know who that is and it doesn't matter to you, right? But if you, if you follow college football or you're an OU fan, then it, it does matter to you. Two, I think news is relevant if it's something that, that affects your life, right? A tornado in, uh, you know, Kentucky, maybe that news doesn't bother you as much as tornado in Tomball would, right? Why is it? Well, a tornado in Kentucky, it, it may not affect someone that you know and love, but a tornado in Tomball certainly affects people that you know, or know and love. You wanna, you're more interested in that, right? That's, that affects your life. So let's apply these, these two questions uh, to this news. Is the news of a savior, Messiah, the Lord, being born, something that you're interested in or you care about? I, I think it should be at least moderately intriguing. But, you know, I'm a pastor, so maybe I'm just interested in this kind of stuff. Um, and, and, and perhaps through, through familiarity, it, it's not interesting. You're like, okay, Christmas, got it. The same thing over and over. Uh, maybe it's something, uh, you know, you just, you're, you're not that interested in it. And, and I think maybe uh, the, the reason for that, right, maybe it's, it's not something you're interested in or care about, maybe that's because you don't feel like you need a savior. I think Christians and non-Christians both fall into this trap. If, if you throw a life preserver to a man on a couch, uh, he won't be as interested in it as a man would be who's drowning. So the question is, are you more like the guy on the couch or more like the guy drowning? I think uh, everyone needs a savior, whether they recognize it or not. We know from earlier in this chapter, from Zechariah's song, that the salvation Jesus will bring is, is through the forgiveness of sins. That's what John also says, right? He says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why, why do we need a savior? This is the reason. Because we are all sinners. We are all sinners. And I think you know this, even if you don't want to acknowledge it. No one wants to acknowledge it. But yeah, I think, I think you, you even know this and experience this. Uh, Francis Schaeffer used this invisible voice recorder illustration uh, that I love. He says, imagine that there was an invisible recorder um, that, that took down all the negative and judgmental thoughts uh, or, or things that you said about people throughout your days. Right? Oh, I can't believe they did that. Oh, I'm, so, I'm so mad at them for this. Okay, then imagine 
that God takes out that recorder, plays all the things that you said back to you, right? So your standard that you held others to, basically, and then judged your life just by that standard. How would you do? We would all fail, wouldn't we? We would. We fall short of our own standard. Right? And if we fall short of our own standards, how much more do you think we fall short of the standards of a holy God? Do you think his standards are lower than yours? Indeed, this is what the Bible teaches. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. That sin is an archery term. We've missed it. We were created to know and love and follow and honor God, and we've missed it. We've been proud. We've been selfish. And this is why we're all racked with guilt and shame. Now, our modern world tries to just dismiss that, right? You don't have to feel that way. That's a, that's a wrong feeling. No, maybe you feel guilt because you're guilty, Maybe you feel shame because you've done things to be ashamed of. We all have. And if that's the case for all sinners, then the news of a savior who can deliver you from your sin, I think it should be at least interesting. I think you should at least, you should at least care about it. And if there's someone who can forgive you, can reconcile you to God, this is the message of Christ, the message of Christianity, that should be interesting to you. And second, does this news affect your life? Does it affect your life? Well, if the news is true, if the news of this baby is true, if he is the Savior, Messiah, the Lord, and if he did go on to die for the sins of the world and rise from the dead, then this news absolutely affects your life in every way. How could it not? Your life is on the line. Your life now and forever rests on how this news rests on you. This is what the Bible teaches. This is the testimony. 1 John 5 says, God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. The one who has the son has life. The one who does not have the son of God does not have life. My contention is that since everyone is a sinner in need of forgiveness, that everyone should care about this news and that the stakes couldn't be higher as to how this news affects your life. It's still the most relevant good news of great joy for all people even today. And this will be a sign for you the angels say, right? How, how will you find him? How will you find this baby? He'll be wrapped in a cloth, a swaddling cloth, which is typical, normal. And he'll be laying in a feed trough, which is what manger is, which is not normal. It's not normal to lay your newborn infant in a feed trough. Did this happen? That's the crux of the issue, isn't it? Is this a fairy tale? Or did it happen? Do you believe this news? 
One of the things that convinces me and helps convince me that, that this is true is that no one, I don't think, could have made this up. Who makes up the story? This whole narrative, it juxtaposes the glorious with the mundane. Right? God's glory filling a pasture. A message of joy for billions given to just a few shepherds in a, in a field. A kingly announcement to lowly shepherds. A savior, Messiah, king who's wrapped in a normal swaddling blanket and laid in an animal feed trough. Is it true? Do you believe it? Let's look at the response to this good news. What is the response we see in this passage? How does it change us? How did it change these in the text? And how does it change us today? I think we see several initial responses to this, uh, this news and then one kind of main overarching response. Let's look at verse 15. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So what do they do? They move. They go. Let's go see. They didn't just take the angel's word for it. This news required verification. And in fact, the angels knew that. That's why they told them, here's how you find him. Look for the one in the feed trough, right? They, they, they expected them to check it out. Right? Don't, don't just take my word for it. Don't just take a preacher's word for it. Check it out. Go, let's go see. I wonder if you've done your due diligence with the good news of Jesus. There was a savior, Messiah, Lord, born 2,000 years ago. Uh, he lived and he died and he rose from the dead. He's the Lord of the universe. He's breathing today. The response I don't understand to that news is the shrug. Okay, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Like, like, doesn't that warrant some exploration? Like, let's go see if that's true. Let's read and study and pray and talk with those who seem to have experienced the truth of this good news until I see for myself whether or not it did happen and if, in fact, this is good news of great joy for me. Verse 16, they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. They found Jesus. They found him. Now, you can't go to Bethlehem to the manger like they could. Jesus has grown up. He's not a baby any longer. But if you seek him, you will find him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can find Jesus too if you seek him. I hope you will. What else did they do, these shepherds? They testified to those around. Look at verse 17. And after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. They reported what they'd been told. It's hard to contain good news. It just spills out. Something great happens to you, it just, you know, it just comes out. And I just imagine that happening to these shepherds. It's like they're just walking through the town and like, Hey, hi, I'm, I'm a shepherd. Oh, I'm Bill. 
Hey, hey Bill, how you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm, what are you doing in here in the in town? I thought shouldn't you be out with the sheep? <laughs> Let me tell you what I'm doing here. There's an angel, right? Like you just went into this this story. And I, and I think uh, a few weeks ago about our Thanksgiving service, right? All the stories of what God has done in your lives that you shared, all the stories that you could have shared that were not shared, right? Because God is doing so much in our church family. And, and what were those stories? Here, here's what happened. Here's the truth. Here's how God rescued me. And I think, I think sometimes we complicate evangelism. These shepherds were the first Witnesses. They were the first evangelists of Jesus' birth. What did they do? They simply reported what they'd seen and heard. And that's all we are called to do. You simply report what you've seen and heard. Here's who Jesus is. Here's how he rescued me. He can do the same for you. You don't have to know the answers to all the questions. They didn't know the answers to any of the questions, right? They just knew what had happened. It's good news of great joy. And we can share it like that. Look at 18, verse 18 for another response. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. All who heard the report from the shepherds were amazed. And that, that's a good response. It's, it's, a, you know, it's a natural response, I think. Is someone telling you they saw an angel? Uh, but, but it doesn't necessarily indicate belief. It doesn't mean that all these people uh, believed and, and entered in. Uh, you, you, can be, you can be amazed at something that doesn't necessarily change you. You see this along in Jesus' ministry. Lots of people, his miracles brought a big crowd, right? Uh, but many of them were just there just for the show. Hopefully that amazement leads to belief and rejoicing, but it, it doesn't always. Um, but verse 19, it says, it says, but, so in contrast to just being amazed, but Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. And this response has been the most baffling to me this week as I studied this passage. All right, why put this verse here? Why record this? Some commentators um, think that it means she doesn't understand what's happening, like she's puzzled, she's, she's just trying to process. And surely that's partially right. How, how could she have known everything that was gonna happen and how it was gonna go, what all this stuff meant? Of course, she, she didn't know everything. But she did know a lot, right? more, more than the shepherd, certainly, because of what the angel told her, because of what uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth had told her. We see just in chapter one that she, she had already rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. We see her song that she had rejoiced. She understood what was going on and was rejoicing in it. So what can we learn from Mary? I think Mary's response is, is an invitation for us not to move quickly past this good news. Mary knew much about her baby boy and, and who he was and who he would become. But, but as she heard more of this good news, right, that he was Messiah, Savior, Lord, and what he would accomplish, she stored these things away, it says. She treasured them. She brought them into her heart and she meditated and she thought deeply on them. And, and isn't this a timely reminder for us who believe? Our lives are so busy <laughs> and the holiday season is busier. And, and if you're a Christian, I know you, you know this good news, 
right? It's what you believed. It's what you've heard. If you grew up in church, you've been, you've been hearing this story for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. You know this. But this month, have you taken it into your heart and meditated on the fact that Jesus is your Savior, is your Messiah, is your Lord? Have you spent time with Jesus in prayer, enjoying and thanking him? We, we want the holidays to be filled with worship and rest and joy, but often they're, they're only shopping and overwork and stress and exhaustion. I think that we will certainly miss the reason for the season if we don't make treasuring up and meditating on Christ a non-negotiable priority in our lives. And what an example Mary sets for us. And what an, what an invitation and what, a, what a, a, a sweet grace that the Lord always extends to us. Right, what's the promise? Draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you. Christian, this is always true for you. While we see these various responses, I think there's, uh, there's a main overarching response from this, in this text to this good news. And it's exactly what the angels say. It's great joy. It's great joy. The angels themselves rejoice in verse 13. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to, the, to people he favors. These angels remind us of an unpopular belief that makes Christians weird to our modern world, uh, that there are angels. There is a spiritual realm. There's a dimension, a reality that we can't typically see, but which is just as real. It, it does interact with ours and can interact with ours. The veil was lifted in that pasture with the sheep and the shepherds saw the angel army. That's what host means. It doesn't mean choir. It means army. I think we sometimes picture, you know, a choir like of, of angels. And it doesn't say singing either. It's just saying. And so I think we should not, not picture the choir. I think the mental image should be like Spartans. You know, I think of the, that movie, the movie 300 when, you know, Leonidas said, Spartans, what is your profession? They're like, raw, 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 right? It's, it's like in unison, we should picture an arm, we should picture Marines in unison saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth, right? Uh, this, is, this is what it means. This is biblical. Now, pay attention to heaven's response, right? Why? Because they understand things better than we do. I would say the angels have a little different perspective than you or I <laughs> on things, right? And they understand better than we do. They, they know what's going on. And what do they say? Glory to God. We praise him, right? They give him the credit. And the shepherds likewise rejoice. The shepherds returned, verse 20, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. They, they give God the credit. They glorify him. They praise and thank him. They leave this manger rejoicing from what they've seen and heard. This good news, it leads to great joy. I, I love getting in nature. 
Um, I love taking walks, for instance, in, uh, in Spring Creek Park here in Tomball, in the woods. Um, it's always calming to get in nature, wherever it is, to see the trees, to see the stars, the mountains, the ocean, the sunset. Why is that? Maybe you've experienced the same thing. I, I think it's because it makes me feel small. It, 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 there's a big world out there. The, the world that doesn't depend on me. It gets me out of myself, my myopic self-focus, and it points me to God, to creation, to, to the, how I fit in this world, like this big world. I think we can easily miss the glory and the majesty happening in the universe if we don't get outside of ourselves and our self-focus, if we don't open our eyes and our souls up to what's truly going on. This text and Advent itself is to me an invitation to, to step outside and breathe deeply. See the world, not from your small, limited vantage point, but for how it is. Right? Angel armies constantly praising and glorifying God. Right? A baby, both God and man, was born that night in David's town. No matter what's going on in the world, in, in your life, in your family, good news has come. Good news has come. We have a savior, a Messiah, the Lord. We are not without hope. Breathe it in. It's the best news in the world. Emmanuel, God with us. I want to close with a quote from a song that many of us will hear tonight, Behold the Lamb. Gather round, ye children, come. Listen to the old, old story of the power of death undone by an infant born of glory, son of God, son of man. May his joy be in you this Christmas season and may your joy be full. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice. We rejoice that while we were in darkness and in our sin, that the dawn has visited us from on high. That Jesus, you came for us. Lord, when we were without hope and without God in the world, when we had no recourse, you had mercy and you reached down. Lord, it's truly good news for us. I, I pray that where we are numb to that news, where we, it's grown old in our hearts, would you, would you renew it? Would you restore to us the joy of our salvation? Lord, I pray for those who, in here who, who haven't experienced that joy, who haven't experienced your grace, who haven't surrendered to you, that they would do that today that they could see your love, that they could see that this is good news for them. Would you lead us all to rejoice? Lord, as we walk through this, this Christmas season, I, I just pray that we would not miss you. I pray that we, we could, in our, in, our, in our quiet moments, um, that, that we would draw near to you. We would walk with you 
We would know your presence. We'd know your love. Please help us. In Jesus' name, amen.